Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. You can dance, you can jive, having the time of your life. Dancing queen. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm excited. ABBA is dropping a new album and they're doing some kind of new tour that's expected to be this hologram tour. You can go to abbavoyage.com and register. And of course, it's European, so they're. Twitter page says two nine twenty one, meaning nine two twenty one here in America. I am so looking forward to ABBA and hearing what they've got to provide. They're all in their seventies now too, trying to make a big impact. Wow. Okay. I sure. I got you. The only thing I think of when I think of ABBA is Art Bell playing Dancing Queen on one of his rejoins. And we're getting back to this is Coast to Coast AM with Art Bell from the high desert. And in the background, there'd be ABBA playing. It's just (laughs) incredible. But they're back. And you can go to figure out if you want to be part of the huge reunion hologram tour. ABBA. Yeah, man. Dancing Queen. Welcome, welcome to Two in the Fat. Congratulations to Lil Nas X, who has uh, now taken on a new uh, partnership with Taco Bell as he becomes the chief impact officer of Taco Bell. Congratulations, Lil Nas X. I know they're doing a big uh, debut with The Breakfast Menu and his new album Montero, which is supposed to be released very soon, I guess, next month. And so he's now become the chief impact officer at Taco Bell. Congratulations. I don't know if he's going to create a new video uh, similar to Satan's Shoes, where he could maybe dance with the devil and, you know, eat a taco (laughs) or maybe the devil and he can just get together and have a burrito and hang out and do a little dancing on the latest Lil Nas X video. But anyway, congratulations to Lil Nas X. Look, the guy's got what? 9 million Instagram followers, almost 20 million on TikTok. He's got a following. So why not use it a little bit? I mean, every company now has to get their, chief impact officer on board and ready to go and get things going. Remember we had, uh, uh, Prince Harry is the, uh, chief impact officer of, uh, oh, what the heck is that place? Better up. That's right. The wellness coaching company, better up. And that's where Prince Harry is the, uh, chief impact officer and i'm not sure if miley cyrus is the actual chief impact officer of chipotle but uh i know that she's doing uh she's got a burrito named after her (laughs) that's proud moment right there that's a proud moment 
when you have a burrito named after you. I Do you have one? Do you have a burrito named after you? I don't. So congratulations to Miley for that. Anyway, and congratulations to Prince Harry and Lil Nas X for honing down those tough positions of chief impact officers. Okay, we got to talk a little bit about Alan West. I touched on it yesterday, and uh, Alan was you know off the deep end on his Facebook page, and he's calling for the police department and the mayor of Dallas, Texas, to come and bend the knee to him and his wife and his grandchild. And uh, he wants uh, apologies around the table. And the police department are like, eh, not so fast. And so I watched the video that the police chief released of the arrest and of the uh, interaction between the Dallas Police Department and his wife, Angela West. She was arrested the other night driving home after dinner and she had her 15-year-old, I guess it's their child. I thought it was their grandchild, but it's their 15-year-old child in the car with her. And she was arrested driving while intoxicated. Now, I watched the entire video, okay? It Did she deserve to get pulled over? Absolutely. She pulled off into the, uh, into another lane and then into the shoulder and then back into the road. So it was definitely, uh, driving, you know, something was going on. She spilled something on her. She was texting. I don't know, but it was, it wasn't regular driving on the road and they pulled her over because she didn't use her indicator light to change lanes. Well, I mean, if she had just changed lanes and stayed in the lane, it probably would not have been an issue, but although, you know, you don't know, sometimes police use little, little technicalities. Oh, you're not using your indicator light as a technicality. Yes. Yes. Many people, I, you know, you should use your indicator light. You know, you call them blinkers, but you, you should use them at all times. No question. Okay. You got me. But if you don't, you know, it's still kind of okay if you're on the highway. And there was plenty of traffic on the road. It's pretty, it's pretty busy night on the road. Now they, she gets out and it was strange that they, there was a lot of traffic and then she stopped in the middle lane and the police got out and. Uh, you know, then she ends up waiting for traffic to come by and pulls off into another road. It was just strange how she reacted. Okay. So that whole thing was a little strange. Was it enough to be arrested for driving while being intoxicated? I don't think so. I think you get a ticket for maybe reckless driving or whatever you want to call it. And you get up, go on your way. Right. But the officer said that he smelled of alcohol. She smelled alcohol in the car. And then, uh, when he searched the car, when he went back to search the car, he, there was a, a drinking cup in the car and he smelled it. And it smelled, it was a McDonald's cup and it smelled of alcohol. Did it because it tested no alcohol in the cup. Uh, her eyes, according to the police department were bloodshot. I don't know with the video, you know, I, I can't really tell but it didn't look like uh, her eyes were bloodshot. Uh, and then she did the, she apparently didn't blow right into the breathalyzer, so they couldn't get a reading. And then she agreed. And then they took her through the steps uh, out, you know, put your hands on your nose and walk straight. 
And apparently, you know, she didn't do all of that right. I don't think I could either. <laughs> I do not think I could either. I mean, they you see where she put her foot down multiple times when she was supposed to stand on one leg. Uh, she missed the heel to toe, took the incorrect number of steps. I, okay, you know, th- those are so... I, I don't know that that actually tells you anything. I get it, but I don't know that I could do that either. Um, I mean, I probably could take 10 steps, but I don't know about the heel to toe turn and standing on one leg and I just could, you know, fine. So she agrees to, after she doesn't, I guess, according to the police, breathe properly into the breathalyzer. So they couldn't get a reading. Uh huh. And so she agrees that, uh, okay, well, I'll give you a blood test. And they say, well, then we want a blood test. And she agrees. So they go to the hospital and then she says, you know what? No, um, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, you know what? Call my lawyer. And so then they get a search warrant signed by a Dallas County judge. Okay. So she gets her blood drawn at midnight and she's arraigned, uh, the next morning and released. And they, uh, there was no report on, you know, if there was a big bond or if they just released her on her own recognizance. And, you know, it was said by Alan West and he had receipts that they were, had dinner at PF Chang's and that she had lemonade and water for dinner. There was no alcohol. She wasn't taking drugs. She had a couple of Excedrin. And so the, you know, Alan West is saying, uh, that he wants these police officers fired he uh, gave their names and their badge numbers, and he wants the um, police chief and the mayor to come and bend the knee and apologize. I, I don't think either is going to happen. Do I think this whole thing is blown way out of proportion? I do. But I will say that I think that she should not have been arrested like that. I feel there was no uh, evidence of alcohol, uh, in the screening, uh, no drugs. Uh, she wasn't, she, she just drove, she drove, I forget what they call it now. It wasn't reckless driving. It was more of a distracted driving and she perhaps was texting or I think, you know, the officer said that it looked like she had something spilled on her blouse. Maybe she spilled something on her blouse while she was driving in the car. And that's what made her swerve into the other lane and then into the shoulder and back onto the road. So, you know, I guess you you give her a ticket for distracted driving and let's move on with our lives. But they, you know, to go with what Alan West says, you know, that was overdone because they make all this money from the DUI squad. So if they pull you over, you're going to get a ticket for DUI, period. They're going to find a way. Is that true? I don't know. Uh, It sounds plausible in today's world. Absolutely. (laughs) And it does, you know, they say that, uh, you know, that McDonald's cup that was supposed to smell like alcohol, the police didn't take it from the vehicle. Oh, okay. And then they took her away. You know, they left, they arrested her and they left an officer there with the 15 year old kid. Well, you know, they didn't just leave the kid there, but it does seem a little strange. I mean, 
I I would be putting up more of a fight, which she probably would have got a you know a bigger fine and arrest for for leaving before someone came to pick up her son. No, I would not have that. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's really strange. I don't. I think they both are going to come together in the end, and they'll both shake hands. And Alan will say, "You shouldn't have arrested my wife." And the police will say she shouldn't have driven erratically. And the judge will say, get out of my courtroom and it'll be over. Have a nice day. Do I think that's probably what's going to happen? Yes. But, you know, who knows? Who knows? It just, it'll be fun to watch. Couple other criminal cases that will be fun to watch and have been fun to watch. Oh, they're, they're assault cases, Jeff. They're not fun to watch. Okay. Uh, Ron Jeremy. Uh, you remember the hedgehog, the porn star, Ron Jeremy. He is uh, now been indicted for, uh, well, he's had criminal charges, complaints against the former porn star. He's now been indicted on 33 rape and sexual assault counts based on new judicial action by the Los Angeles District Attorney, George Gascon's office. Uh, so he's got, uh, like the previous charges, the new counts involve 21 individuals go back to the mid-1990s. The age range of the alleged victims go from 15 to 51. Specifically, Jeremy, 68, faces 12 counts of forcible rape, 7 counts of forcible oral copulation, 6 counts of sexual battery by restraint, 4 counts of sexual penetration by a foreign object, 2 counts of sexual penetration of an unconscious or a sleep person and one count each of a lewd act upon a child under the age of 14 or 15 sodomy by the use of force and assault with intent to commit rape. <laughs> okay. If any of that is true, Ron dude, you are a dirt bag. If any of it's true. I, okay. I know that, uh, you know, he's been in jail for a year now. The grand jury heard testimony from the alleged victims and further evidence on the cases. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot there. He's been in jail because he couldn't make bail on his 6.6 million bail requirements. So Ron really hasn't saved any of the money that he, uh, that he made and who does. I understand that. And just as a side note, as long as we're out in L.A., just know that Harvey Weinstein, another great guy, right along with Ron Jeremy, uh, sees the dropped sexual battery charge. Yeah, the L.A. Uh, district attorney in the new indictment, they went ahead and brought that back. So he's got that going for him in L.A. <laughs> oh, man. This should just be the the dirtbag section of the Chewing the Fat show. Uh, okay, so dirtbag number three today. Uh, candidate for governor in Oklahoma arrested Monday as it's alleged that he locked a woman in his car, hit her with a pipe, and sexually assaulted her at his home. Oh, that's it though? Yeah. Paul Tay, 58, charged with first-degree rape, kidnapping, and assault with a dangerous weapon. I guess this guy has been a political candidate, a perennial independent political political candidate in Tulsa for many years. And now he's running for governor of Oklahoma. I guess it's an easy way for him to get money. Uh, you know, and, and maybe he cares, maybe he cares about Oklahoma. Who am I to say? So I guess the police say that the woman responded to a Craigslist ad. I didn't 
know that even Craigslist was still, you know, providing ads, but I guess they are, uh, for a job interview on Tay's campaign team. So he had, you know, put an ad up on Craigslist. Hey, what are you part of my campaign team? And you, you want to have somebody on your campaign team at your, that you're running for governor in the state of Oklahoma and the lady doesn't have a car. I mean, you want to hire somebody like that. Well, she doesn't have a car. She responded. And so Tay said, I, I'll give you a ride. Uh, I'll pick you up and, uh, you know, I'll give you a ride. <laughs> you know, being the nice guy that he is. So apparently as he's driving, uh, heading to Oklahoma City, she realized, hey, uh, you're heading to Tulsa and not Oklahoma City. What's going on? And so then she tried to get out of the car, but Tay wouldn't let her. And he grabbed a pipe and hit her. And then she, uh, and she, and he, you know, held her into the car. Now the woman told authorities that uh, he kept her locked in his car while he stopped for gas and panhandled for gas money. So he didn't have enough to put, he didn't have any money to put gas in his car. Interesting. And then, uh, he allegedly took her to her house or took her to his house in Tulsa, where he assaulted and raped her with, I guess it says here, assaulted and raped her with a pipe. Okay. So then she persuades Tay, Hey, I need some hygiene products. Take me to Walmart. She gets into the store and gets away from him, goes to a store employee. He didn't even go in the store with her because officers arrived and arrested Tay in the parking lot. So if any of that is true, another dirt bag is, uh, is in jail. He's out on bond though. Now only $85,000, uh, bail and he's expected to appear in court, uh, next week. So we'll see. I don't know what that does to his Oklahoma gubernatorial campaign, but it may put a dent in that campaign. You just never know. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink and something to wash away the dirt bag segment. Oh man. So good. Wow, so I started watching Nine Perfect Strangers last night. There's four episodes, um, so and they drop every Wednesday on Hulu. I, I was just looking. I didn't realize. I just people. Someone mentioned it to me, and I saw it come up on Hulu, and I thought, well, okay. It's they got Nicole Kidman and Melissa McCarthy and Luke Evans, Tiffany Boone, Regina Hall, Bobby Cannavale, Samara Weaving, Melvin Gregg, Michael Shannon, Ashley Ketty, Grace Van Patten, Manny Jacinta. I mean, it is all these pretty darn good actors and actresses. I, there's not actresses anymore, Jeff. There's just actors. Okay. Um, it and I and I, I questioned it. I did because I'm while I'm a kind of fan of Nicole Kidman and she's actually growing on me even more as of late. I never really cared for her much in the past, but I mean, with the undoing and the big little lies, and then she was in a bombshell. She picks great work to be involved in. And this is no exception. Really good. Now I will say that I made it through the first four episodes. Uh, when I came home last night, I even stayed up extra late to watch it. 
because I was all right, I've got to watch it. Cause I kept thinking that was going to be it. And so then I just found out that there's actually eight episodes in the series. And really, I think we could do a six. I haven't seen them yet, but the way the show has developed in the first four episodes, uh, I hope they don't, I hope they don't ruin it and give me a couple of episodes that are just milking episodes, but it's been really good. If you get a chance to watch it, be ready to, how do I explain it? I mean, it's pretty, it's about a group of people who go to this Masha's Tranquillum house in the middle of nowhere. And she's going to help. She helps fix them. It's like a retreat. And it's a perfect little place for you to get yourself together. And these people are all broken. And she picks the people that comes to the to Tranquillum House. And this is a group of people who are, you know, really different, yet the same. And they're all broken. And they're looking to get better. They're looking to be well. Because right now they are unwell. And that's why you come to Tranquillum House. Okay? <laughs> all right, then. And just be ready to be, uh, start thinking about the ways you are broken. <laughs> so just be ready. All right. I'm just saying it's well worth it. It's a good watch. It was fun. The first four episodes were fun. Nine perfect strangers on Hulu, but be ready to start realizing, do I need to go to Tranquillum house? Cause I am, uh, whew. I am uh, a broken too, and uh, I need to see Masha. So we'll see what happens in the next four episodes, but it's really good. The first four were great. And speaking of good choices, I see where Nicole Kidman is going to play Lucille Ball. Incredible. And I guess it's supposed to be really good. No release date yet. We do know, I guess, that it's going to be called Lucy and Desi in the U.K., and being the Ricardos throughout uh, the rest of the world, at least the USA. Uh, and the working title is Lucy and uh, Desi. It's uh, got a huge star, Jake Lacey and Nicole Kidman and J.K. Simmons. So it should be a lot of fun. As you read the story about what they have, Aaron Sorkin is the writer and the director. And I love, I love Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. I guess the movie is set to around a week of production of their TV show, I Love Lucy. So it should be fun. When you go through this, there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, she, the daughter, uh, Lucille Arnaz, talked about all the stuff that she has. They're looking at uh, starting a Sirius XM channel about airing old recordings of Ball's talk show. She apparently did a uh, tape recording of uh, her life because they were getting ready to do a book and there's all kinds of stuff that wasn't used. They were, they're high quality tapes. So they're looking at, uh, they're looking at digitizing those and releasing those. She was answering questions about her own life and it was, I mean, there's going to be a lot of good stuff. So it's going to be never ending. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> between uh, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz and that content. So it should be really fun to watch. But again, Nicole Kidman. So we'll see how it works out. But she usually picks, or she certainly has 
in the last few years picked some really good projects. So I got an email from Keith Malinak, um, host of At The Mic and uh, producer of Pat Gray Unleashed uh, on uh, the Blaze Radio Network, a show that I'm a part of a couple of times a week and fill in work and what have you. But he sent me an email saying, fan of yours. And he got a message from an at Burton Brown 18 saying, uh, so here's something for Jeffy and his podcast. He does not allow messages like you do. Thanks for that. And, you know, the story is man dies after using epoxy adhesives instead of a condom. (laughs) So, I mean, I appreciate the story. I looked into it. I don't know that it's actually a true headline. We'll get to that in a moment. But I'd like to say to Burton, uh, I'm not quite sure I understand uh, what you mean by I don't allow messages like you do, as in Keith and or Pat because uh you can email me uh the blaze uh, chewing the fat at the blaze.com you can phone call me and leave a message on the fat line which i still have open i forget to mention from time to time but that's 214-735-9356 that's the fat line you can leave a message there you can Direct message me and or just message me on Twitter. Tag me on it at JeffyJFR. You can message and or tag me on Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio. Or you could message and tag me on Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. So I'm not real sure. The only place I'm lacking is those of you that leave reviews on the podcast review pages and leave well, you know, technically I know you can only leave five stars, but I expect you to leave 18 stars and 20 stars and just say best podcast ever. It's the joke that, you know, I've abandoned for a while, but I'm just saying though, for those of you that leave reviews and, uh, star messages, I do neglect that. I need to look at those more and I will, I promise. But all the others, um, or, you know, you could do that. Uh, so I'm not quite sure Burton. Uh, what you mean by that, but thanks anyway. And I appreciate the reach out. Now the story is about a man and his girlfriend and died of fatal organ failure. He died, not her. But as you get into the story, they talk about how they use this high powered epoxy resin instead of a condom before having sex. And apparently the story, it says they use the adhesive to avoid pregnancy. Did they? Because as you get into the story, it talks about how these two are really addicted to drugs and had gone to this hotel and there they applied the epoxy adhesive on his private parts as they were not carrying any protection. I don't know, though, that they actually cared about that and maybe they thought it was going to do something else for them other than protect them from getting one of them pregnant because apparently they were intoxicated from the chemical compound (laughs) that they were on and they had taken the epoxy out and heated that up and smoked that as well. So then they found this guy who used the epoxy as his, uh, other than rather than his condom uh, rather than his contraceptive they found him in the bushes 
outside of this apartment complex. And apparently, uh, you know, he had some sort of uh, organ failure, which led to his death. I'm not quite sure if it can all go back to the epoxy being used as his contraceptive. I could be wrong, but I just kind of feel like when you're smoking epoxy (laughs) and you then put it on your man part when you're really high, that you're looking for something else other than protection from getting the other person pregnant or you for that matter. I just feel like, yeah, uh, the guy told me that after you smoke it, if you put it on your man part, it really increases the pleasure. Okay, let's do that. So anyway, Burton, if you want to reach out, I gave you plenty of ways to reach out to me. And I apologize if you thought there was no way to reach out to me. So, you know. So according to this new study, 22.3% of all footage aired on cable news networks defined as a statement of facts or on-the-spot reporting, that's it. Facts, on-the-spot reporting, 22.3% of all the footage aired on cable news network. Huh, weird. Uh, Each hour of broadcasting on cable news networks contains nearly twice as much commercial time than hard news. Well, yeah, I mean, they got to pay the bills. Hello. Interviews with newsmakers account for another 16% of broadcast news time. Commentary from a host or panel discussions and analysis from a panel of talking heads make up the vast majority, 60% of cable news. So I guess Media Research Center, and I guess that's what they're reporting, uh, they monitored MSNBC, CNN, and Fox News Channel and then assessed how much content consists of facts and how much was a matter of opinion. 72% of the big three networks' evening news broadcast is hard news is it? I mean, maybe with Lester Holt (laughs) over there at NBC, maybe you get that, but, uh, good morning, America, CBS this morning have slightly higher percentage of hard news content than cable news programs. That is, that's, that is interesting for, and I'd like to, I'd like to go back and see what their actual hard news is because facts can be about, you know, dog adoption too. That doesn't mean that it's, you know, it's just a morning show story. Anyway, uh, Media Research Center reviewed a sample of 108 hours of CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News Channel programming from Feb 1 to June 30th, and they took two random hours of weekday programming from each network for each hour, beginning 6 to midnight. Commercials and teases of upcoming stories did not count toward the total two-hour sample. All right, I mean, so... You know, I guess that's about right. I'm a little, that's even uh, really interesting that 72% of the big three networks evening news broadcast is hard news. Uh, okay. I would really like to see what they're considering hard news. Now, I mean, when you talk about my man, uh, Lester Holt, I can understand how you'd be impressed. So I see where tonight, uh, for those of you listening live, today is the 26th of August, 2021. Thursday, 
Uh, my man, Lester Holt, NBC Nightly News, is scheduled to interview the Capitol Police person, the officer who fatally shot Ashley Babbitt. Huh. Okay. He's going to reveal his identity for the first time. I think that's all been reported before, but it hasn't been official yet. So we'll see how that interview goes. Uh, He's scheduled to interview this person who shot Ashley Babbitt. And uh, they said already that the Capitol Police Department, it would not discipline the officer after following an internal investigation. Well, no, because it was the only person who actually died because of 1-6, the day democracy almost died. And it was, you know, actual death that took place on this. And so, you know, she was shot and killed as part of 1-6, the day democracy almost died. There, see, I said it even different there. Did you see where uh, Kimberly Klasik is uh, suing Candace Owens for $20 million? Wow. Okay. She's suing Candace Owens for $20 million, alleging that the conservative commentator defamed her with multiple false claims of illegal activity. Oh, okay. So Candace uh, actually (laughs) tweeted out, uh, L-O-L-L-L. Kimberly Klasik is a former stripper fraud who has me blocked on every social media account since I exposed her shady FEC filings. She launched an obviously frivolous lawsuit about me calling her a madam to distract slash avoid questions about her FEC filings. Now, Kimberly came on like a, like a, Fire hose. No, that's not that's not the wrong way to explain that. She came on like a flash storm. Is that good enough? No, she came on like a fire plug out of Baltimore. Anyway, so uh, we talked to her here on this show, as a matter of fact. And uh and I love I love she sounded great. Is it true? I I guess. Did she win? No. Uh but apparently uh Candace is saying that uh uh, Kimberly, uh, met her husband at a strip club and then got married. So, um, Candace says that she feels Kim scammed millions of Americans who gave to her campaign and they deserve to know the truth about who she is and how that money was spent according to her FEC filings. Now, Klasik said, uh, I've lost multiple financial opportunities, including a book deal and a contract with a nationally recognized vendor because of this. And she says, I don't have access to the campaign money. We precisely had a treasurer to prevent this from happening. Uh, I hired Fox and lion as part of her campaign work. So, I mean, we'll see. She's a big, uh, a, a big person to be reckoned with in Baltimore and around the country now. And, uh, we'll see if this is actually true. I don't know. Candace usually, picks a fight she can win that doesn't make this one that she could win i just know that candace usually picks a fight that she could win so it will be interesting to find out exactly what happens as this case proceeds you'll be glad to know that cybersecurity uh is that problem is solved there's going to be no more hacking anything uh, the white house hosted an event or at least they, it was reported that they were hosting event this week that brought uh, the big tech 
bosses together to discuss the cybersecurity challenges. Oh, okay. Um, who was there? Well, Amazon was there. The CEO of Amazon was there. Uh, Apple CEO Tim Cook was there. Uh, Microsoft CEO was there. Google CEO was there. IBM was there. So I guess topics of discussion included ransomware, critical infrastructure, supply chain security, cybersecurity education, data breach insurance. So it should be covered. It should be covered. I know JP Morgan Chase was supposed to be there and uh, Southern Co., uh, the utility firm, was going to be there. Uh, So it's got to be solved, right? Because we've heard that news everywhere. Well, there's been a little overshadowing news coming from Afghanistan. It's weird that Facebook wasn't there. Um, Sure, the Federal Trade Commission (laughs) is trying to break up Facebook, and uh, they've really... Really, they're really hammer, putting the hammer down on Facebook, and Facebook is really trying to uh, get out from under the FTC complaints. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I know that the FTC wants uh, Facebook broken up, and I don't know that that's going to happen. We shall see. But I guess they don't want anything to do with the White House anymore, and the White House doesn't want anything to do with them. So Mark and Joe are in a little bit of a fight. So the Supreme Court yesterday uh, said that uh, the Biden administration had to reinstate a Trump-era policy known as Remain in Mexico, which forces asylum seekers to stay in Mexico while immigration authorities process their claims. But it's faced several legal challenges, and the Biden administration ended it. Texas and Missouri challenged the administration's move, saying it would pose a burden on local governments. Duh. And the challenge worked its way up to the high court. Now, the Supremes are saying, "Mm, yeah, you shouldn't have ended that policy. It was arbitrary and capricious, and that policy needs to go back in into uh, into work. Um, and then, of course, they're going to say, no, uh, we are not going to do that. We're going to continue to fight. We believe the Supreme Court is wrong. And now we find out that Mexico is saying, well, we're not going to take them. We won't take them back. Okay, then if you're already here, you know what? We'll go ahead and process you. I mean, this is just me talking, not anyone that is involved in the actual decision-making. But... No one else gets in. Have a nice day. It's not up to Mexico. It's not up to Mexico what we do with people who are illegally trying to come into our country. Okay? No, you don't get to come. You're trying to come into our country from that country. So you stay there. If Mexico doesn't want you, then you they can make you go away. But we we don't get to we don't get to have a say in that. But we'll see because this administration is uh, really turned into a, a fun, fun, fun administration. I don't want to get into it too much. I just it just drives me insane. We've got Afghanistan going crazy. We have uh, our southern border going crazy. We have uh, cybersecurity around the world and here in the U.S. going crazy. We know that we're trying to meet with that, and we got the report about. Uh, why, what's her face? <laughs> you know, what's her face? 
the vice president. Her trip from Singapore to Vietnam was delayed. You know, what she's doing over there, who knows? Maybe she's making everything better. (laughs) Yeah, there's only, you know, the southern border that she's supposed to work on and Afghanistan going on this. I mean, it's a crisis in those two places for sure. And she's over in Singapore and Vietnam. But anyway, we know why it was delayed because we had two, at least two U.S. diplomats medically evacuated from Vietnam with Havana syndrome. And they did not, uh, they were worried about uh, Kamala coming to Hanoi. And so they, you know, put a pause on that. But it's really incredible what's going on around the world at some of our uh, embassies with this Havana syndrome. So these people in Vietnam, these two uh, personnel that were working at the embassy, experienced uh, anomalous acoustic incidents. They were, uh, that's what they told the health unit, all right? They were acoustic, which means that these diplomats heard strange sounds. It was also a case with many of the original Havana syndrome cases that that's what they said. We heard strange sounds and we didn't feel good and we were sick. And so it involved sound, but they couldn't confirm anything. Oh, okay. I mean, way back in 2016, when the Havana syndrome first showed up and, you know, I know this is going to come as a surprise to you, but it showed up in Havana And so CIA officers and State Department employees first reported distress. Now we've had foreign officers uh, showing distress in Moscow, China, London, Virginia, Vienna, Germany, and now (laughs) Vietnam. So it's just these Havana Syndrome hotspots. 24 spies and diplomats have reported symptoms since Biden took office. Now, he took office way back in... When did he take office again? I mean, it's in August. Way back in January of this year. So it's been a few months. So (laughs) we got that. We have that going for us. That's just so good. Good times. Good times. More good times. We know that we have two new studies from the CDC that show fully vaccinated Americans' immunity to COVID-19. It's waning a little. Uh, now that the Delta variant is uh, spreading across the country, I, I know. Uh, one study finds that uh, the vaccine effectiveness declined by nearly 30% since the Delta variant became the dominant strain in the U.S. Analysis also uh, concluded that COVID-19 vaccines were 80% effective in preventing a infection among the frontline healthcare workers. That might be among the frontline healthcare workers, but now I think that it even dropped down lower than the 80%. So we'll see. They had a second study that examined 43,000 Los Angeles residents age 16 and older, and it found that 25% of the new infections from May to July were fully vaccinated individuals. So they were breakthrough cases and, but they're finding that most of the deaths, I guess it doesn't say in this story, but I read another uh, report that talked about most of the deaths 
are from the unvaccinated. So get vaccinated. That's the point of this. Okay. Sure. We're getting reports on the vaccines waning immunity status. We're getting reports on all of that. But Goldman Sachs is now going to require anyone who enters its U.S. offices to be vaccinated. They don't care what the deal is. If you're going to be on their property, you're going to be vaccinated. Otherwise, I don't know. Do they shoot you dead? I don't know. I don't know how you how you enforce that. Delta Airlines is going to add a couple hundred dollars a month to their health insurance for unvaccinated staff. So we're not telling you you have to get vaccinated, okay? Shut up with that stuff. I don't want to hear about the mandates, but we're going to charge you an awful lot of money. That's I you know that I guess that doesn't surprise me. They we found with other insurances throughout the years that if you go to the gym and you work out and you eat right and you have this, your insurance rates go down. That's I mean, I get that, I guess. I just it's strange and they can do that now because the vaccine or at least one of them is approved officially so we got that going for us like i said good 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 times now i read something that i want you to take with you today all right i'm gonna get out of here but i just want you to take this with you today it's interesting tell your kids see if your grandpa or your grandma or your great grandpa or your great grandma remembers this at all because i read it and i was like really but it makes sense so i'm guessing that it's true and it comes from uber facts so if it comes from uber facts it's got to be true right that's that's what i thought right so spiral stairs were placed in firehouses in the 1800s to prevent the horses that pulled the engines from running up the stairs when they smelled food cooking. (laughs) I mean, it's got to be true, right? Right? Come on. You know it's true. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.